What's up, y'all? This is Tobias Rose. I'm the principal and the creative director at one of the dopest creative agencies. In fact, Durham's creative agency, Complex Creative, and you are locked into conversations. And this is a podcast we do when we do it. That's, that's just what it is. We do it when we do it. Like every time I tell y'all, it's going to be every other week or whenever we decide to do it, but we do it when we do it. Conversations. Welcome. So uh, thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening to my boring, crazy, stupid jokes. I want to welcome y'all to uh, an episode that I've been thinking about for a long time. And this is one that's really, really important to me. Uh, I have a person here, one of the most important people that we have probably had on conversations. And that's not to take anything away from the people that we've had. It gives everything to who she is and the things that she does. Um, We're talking about the future. And throughout this entire season, we've talked about the new economy. Well, we got to talk about where that economy is going and who's going to inherit that economy. And what better person to have here than a person that teaches the future? So I have teacher of the year, (laughs) Caroline Brickhouse. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And I want you all to know the reason why I say that is I have a lot of respect for teachers. I have a lot of respect for educators, a lot of respect for what you do. Um, You taught Samantha. I did. Our, our I did. digital strategist. Yes. And she's amazing. So I, I, I understand <laughs> that you have everything to do with that. Is that right? Oh, yeah. All the things. All I, the things. I did all that. You did all that. Yeah, That's yeah. why she's She wouldn't open. be where she is today without That's me. what I needed to know. That's what I needed to know. So, so tell me, how are you doing? We, we just went through a crazy year. You're back teaching now, right? Yes. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good-ish. Yeah. Good-ish? Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, there's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, yeah. being back in person... Uh, just teaching in general in person in normal circumstances, there's always a lot of stuff going yeah. on, right? Things, decisions that are being made, snapshots, looking across the room, just trying to work with all the kids, making sure that they get what they need. But then we have this layer of COVID protection and mm. rules and things that we're also having to mitigate and make sure that we're looking at and keeping everybody in the right place, keeping kids safe. You know, we don't know who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. So we just have to be on point with all of that. So it's Good-ish. <laughs> Some days are better than others, yeah. but uh, overall, I mean, it is really great to have the kids back yeah. in person and not looking at little small squares on a Zoom screen. <laughs> that is cool. So, I wanna I wanna back up and figure out how you even got here. We talked sure. a little bit about that, and um, you're a little younger than me, uh, probably a lot more younger. Just about two years. You said a little younger. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I was trying to help you out. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, with that being said, how did you become and why did you become a teacher? Um, so I was raised in a household with a teacher. Okay. She worked all 30 years in the same school building at the same school. And um, so I've been around education all my life. And it was one of the things that I played frequently growing up. Right. So kindergarten, put all my stuffed animals out, you know, oh. playing teacher. So. Um, but that's kind of a standard story for a lot of people that get into education. And so the thing that I really like to focus on is the fact that I got into education. I taught for six years, um, sixth grade science at Githens Middle School, which okay. I'm back at. Uh-oh. Um, but I took five years away because I got to a place after year six where I needed to take a break. And um, I went into education assessment, actually worked for a local company, um, TE21 Inc., mm-hmm. um, wrote science benchmarks for third through eighth grade. 
which was cool and it was it was I think the break that I needed but I found myself kind of longing for that interaction with students and relationship building that goes along with being in the classroom so yeah. that's really what brought me back so in 2018-2019 I came back there was a position open at my old school um, so it's like going back home which yeah. was really cool um, and so now I've been teaching seventh grade science back at Githens this is now my fourth year back so I the thing that I really um, enjoy and appreciate about being in the classroom is being with my students mm. and talking to my students and hearing their thoughts about things. Um, and so it's been really great to be able to be back specifically this year in person. But that's kind of what brought me into education is just growing up with it and mm -hmm. just being in that world that's from nice. the beginning. <laughs> now, w w did you ever want to do anything else? Because it sounds to me like from kindergarten to now, you knew you wanted to be a teacher, but was there ever yeah. like, I want to do this, I want to be an astronaut? Um, yeah, so I had this like really lofty goal when I graduated from high school. Graduated third in my class, thought I was like hot oh, stuff. Wow. Um, that I was gonna go into pharmacy school at UNC. Mm. And uh, yeah, chemistry just weeded me right on out. <laughs> <laughs> real quick. It, it does it um, to a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I did initially think that I was going to be um, in pharmacy and then I thought about clinical laboratory science and then, yeah. you know, I just had a moment my sophomore year where I was like, why am I trying to kid myself? I should be in education, do an education major. So um, I've always stuck around, I guess, that idea of science though, mm -hmm. too. So um, I think my most inspirational teacher was my, my sixth grade science mm. teacher. And that's what kind of got me into that, that world and wanting to be in middle school specifically. That's something else because I remember I had a similar path. And so I was just talking to him and joking about how I had to graduate in six years mm -hmm. um, from college. And, and part of the reason why is when I first went in, I was a physics major. Okay. You know, kind of the same deal. Mm -hmm. You know, you do good in high school. They're yeah. like, you should oh, yeah. be a scientist or an engineer. Right. So that's what they told me I should be. And I said, huh, I can make money. Mm -hmm. That'll be cool. And so I did that. And uh, then I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do physics. Let me just do comp sci because I don't feel like being in school this long. Program I was in would have had me in school for five, six years, mm -hmm. ironically. I don't want to be in school that long. Let me switch my major to computer science. In computer science. I get in there. I don't think I want to code anymore. This is just <laughs> a lot. So then I, I discovered web development, graphic design, and that's what I did in high school. And when I was in kindergarten, you know how you said you had the, the stuffed animals up? Mm -hmm. So I was drawing all the time, and my cousin told me about commercial artists. And that's when I found out, oh, you can make money doing art. That is perfect. That is what I should do. And I, I got off track, and I got back on track in college. And then I started following my dream. And this is that's where we are now. So it's interesting because I had that same awakening when I was in college. Like, let me just go back to my heart right? and got back to it and loving it and happening. So it's, it's great to hear that. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me feel like I'm not weird. <laughs> no, you're definitely not weird. I mean, I feel very fortunate that it happened in college and not yeah. like after the fact as it does for many right. of many adults. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So uh, tell me a bit about the because we were talking about this before we got on, but tell me a bit about why you decided to teach middle school, junior high students. Or, and is that something you just kind of fell into or is it like a choice? Well, so it's funny. So my, um, my bachelor's degree is in elementary education mm -hmm. and I student taught in a second grade classroom. Ah. Um, and I really loved my second graders and they were really awesome. Um, but <laughs> my supervising 
um, teacher that like the from UNC that would come in and watch me teach was like so you know you're doing really great but like you you really like naturally project your voice and you know for second graders it kind of might feel like you're yelling at them yeah and she was like I really think that you might be good and like you know, a fifth grade or a sixth grade classroom. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Okay. So I went to the Durham job fair and um, <laughs> it's so funny. The table, the very first table that I sat at was Githens yeah. and I interviewed and they told me about the school and it was very similar to the middle school that I um, grew up in, very yeah. diverse population. Um, and so I was kind of drawn into that space. Uh -huh. And when it, was a sixth grade science position that was open. I, having had that teacher that was super inspirational, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm gonna go for. Cause yes. you know, this, this will be cool. Um, and then deciding to come back, cause now I, I have a master's degree as well in kindergarten through ninth grade science education. So oh, wow. um, I kind of can go a little more out there than just with an elementary ed degree. Yeah. But um, I decided to come back to middle school because they're super entertaining. They're really thoughtful. Wow. Um, there's so much going on in a middle, middle schooler's life and just being able to be there and support them and hear what they have to say and also, you know, honestly just laugh a little bit at what's, what all they think is like, you know, the crazy stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's amazing. So puberty. Yeah, um. exactly. Puberty. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward and it's awesome all at the same time. So. Awkward and awesome. That, that's like me from like year nine until year 19 maybe yeah, no, right yeah. 29 let me just not stop fooling myself um so so you you got to a groove you've been you're teaching sure um you back in 2019 that's when you went back right 2018 2019, 2019. school year right, yeah. 2018 2019 school year you're back in you're doing your thing this is what i love yep back teaching the students yes all right 2019 2020 school year happens January, February, and then March. March. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your March. I refer to that group of students as the group that got away. <laughs> it was <laughs> such a bummer to not get to finish out the school yeah. year um, with them. But I actually just wrote and turned in my portfolio for to compete for State Teacher of the Year. Come and on now. That's what I'm talking about. One of, one of the things that they asked about was like a lesson or something that I felt was like really impactful for my students. And literally, I think it was like maybe two days before they announced that we were getting out and we were, we were going to be out for two weeks, which I, as soon as the call was made, I was like, no, we're not going to be out for two weeks. We're good. We won't, we won't see these kids again. But, yeah. um, I taught a lesson and talked about what was, what they were seeing in the media about COVID at that time and pulled all of the relevant data that had been, you know, compiled by the CDC and everything. Yeah. And I had them put three columns on the table in front of them. And one was like, what are your current understandings? What do you think you know so far? What questions do you have? And then what feelings do you have about this? Wow. Um, and the goal of the lesson was to, you know, as they were writing these things down, I then had them come up and put it on like a whole class, like chart and say, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna talk about the data that we have, what we know from reputable sources, um, and then we're going to see if we can move some of these things from questions and current understandings so that we can debunk some of these things that we're hearing that aren't true and hopefully start to maybe assuage some of the fears 
that you're having about what's going on. Because right. the kids were super nervous, super scared. Um, did you say about what they were hearing you at said the time. Assuage I did not say okay. assuage. Because I heard it and I was just like, I, I didn't know what that word meant until I was in my twenties. <laughs> Calm so. your fears. Well, I know that <laughs> yeah. I know that now, but if I was like, you know, seventh grade, right. like, what is an assuage? What's no, an assuage? I, I definitely know? did not use that word <laughs> with the kids. Immediately I start panicking. I don't know that word. So yeah. uh, so it was cool. So, you know, I had them kind of start out in small groups and talk about it amongst themselves, and then we shared out as a whole class, and then we looked at uh, relevant uh, news clip from ABC News at the time, and we actually looked at the news clip from not just an informational standpoint, but a critical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, you know, I want you to look at this and see, like, what color is the text that they're using when they're talking about this? What images are they using? What are they mm -hmm. emphasizing? How does the person sound and what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. How is that maybe making you feel when you're hearing that? And just thinking about how, yes, these things are important, but there is always a lens through which media is coming to you, whether it's on TV, in print, or on social media, which mm -hmm. is where middle schoolers spend a large portion of their time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we had that side conversation in addition to kind of learning the information about COVID itself, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was really important. It's like, you have to be mindful of what, what's coming to you and how it's coming to you. That's right. Um, and then from there, you know, we looked at the data and talked about all, the, all of what was going on at the time. And so, you know, at that point, that was when scientists were like, oh, we don't need masks. So talked about, you know, well, yeah. that's the thing. And it was actually really important. I was like, don't go and buy up all the masks because hospitals and healthcare professionals need these things. Other people need at them. At the time, yeah. right, exactly. And we talked about how proper hand washing was going to be super important, mm -hmm. you know, keeping a little more distance between yourself and others mm -hmm. um, and just kind of talking them through the things that they could do to try and keep themselves, keep other people safe, and kind of also calm down the feelings that they were having because a lot of them were, you know, they were like, yeah, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm sad, I'm, you know, we're seeing, you know, already seeing deaths at that time. At that time, it was, you know, the elderly population that was yeah. being most impacted. Um, and, but it was, it was just a really great lesson. And I, I mean, totally deviated from the curriculum that I was, you know, prescribed to teach at that time. We were in the middle of our forces in motion unit, so a physics unit. Yeah. Right. That's, but it that's was, what I did. That was but it was, but it was important. I mean, you know, relevance, yeah. relevancy to their lives. I mean, we have, as teachers, we have to constantly be thinking about how do we make our content relevant? How do mm -hmm. we make it so that our students can fully see why science is important? Um, and so that particular lesson is something that stood out to me. So, we did that in March and, you know, we talked about the day that they were like, hey, you know, you're going to be out for two weeks, what was going to happen, what we were going to need to do next. And um, I had kind of already wanted to start moving towards paperless classroom kind of thing. So we did this thing called Starbucks mode once a week where the kids were doing their individualized learning. So they were on a computer, they had the stuff that they had to do, they'd bring headphones and it was like, you act like you're in a Starbucks. like. I had a coffee scented candle. It was great. Wow. Um, but we had already started like being pretty active in Google Classroom mm -hmm. at that time. And so when we went out in, um, and the kids that were able to, at that, Durham had not purchased devices at that time, um, but the kids that had access to technology were able, able to kind of seamlessly transition into continuing to complete and do their work. Um, and you know, attend Zoom sessions once Zoom became a thing for school districts. Yeah. So, um, I, they, they, the feedback that I got from my students was that like they were like, yeah, actually, I felt really prepared for this when mm -hmm. we got out. So that was kind of good. Um, 
And as far as the other lesson about COVID and everything went, they were, you know, same, similar feedback. They were like, wow, you know, like I feel, I feel better about this. I'm glad that I know that this thing and that thing over there were like not true and like way off base. And right. like, they just appreciated having the chance and the space to talk about it. So it sounds to me like you were teaching them emotional intelligence. Was yes. that the intent or is like, this is a, a byproduct, but it, it sounds like a, a lesson in emotional intelligence. How do you take something, digest it and, and really understand how to react? Yes, I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it was, I didn't set out intentionally for it to be that, but it kind of organically happened um, naturally because I did, I could, you, as a teacher, when you're in a room with students, you can feel what they're feeling yeah. like you can feel it you can pick up on that and I could feel over you know as things kept coming out kept getting worse you know nursing homes in Seattle nursing homes here like it yeah. was starting to kind of creep its way across um, I could feel that the kids were just kind of like oh my gosh oh my gosh and then right. watching the data and seeing the age groups that were impacted they're starting to make these connections like oh my gosh my parents are this age or my yeah. grandparents are that age and like what are we gonna do? And it was just like, no, we like we need to uh, we need to stop and not pretend like it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Don't ignore it, um, which I think our middle schoolers are kind of used to adults doing, yeah. um, and I don't think that that's fair to them because they're here and they're experiencing the same things that we adults are. So pretending like it doesn't exist or kind of avoiding the the controversial conversation or topic at hand, whether it be COVID or any of any of the other many controversial things that yeah. there are to discuss, right? I think it's important to have those conversations with kids. They want to talk about it. They want to feel heard. They want their voice to be valued. So tell me this, you know, 2020 was a, whew. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> that it was, was that. perfect, perfect sound. Yeah. <laughs> that's what uh -huh. it was. Uh, you know, in May, um, George Floyd, mm -hmm. that happened. I remember waking up and I heard the whole, I can't breathe. And I said, this is an old video. Oh, this happened again? So right. that was May, and you guys, y'all had all finished school by that time. Yes. But I assume, and, and tell me if I'm off base here, in August you still had some of those things to deal with. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. how, did, how did the students manage with that? That's super complex. How did they, they manage with, with all these things happening? You've got a pandemic. You've got what people are, some people refer to as a, a racial reckoning happening. Right. But, you know, you're there with the students. And at that point, I'm, you're still in a virtual environment, yes, right? Yes, everything was virtual from August through April of last year. Was there so. anything that you had to, to manage as a teacher or any, any, any things that kind of stick out to you in that virtual environment, in, in, in this environment, in this, this environment we're all in, but also trying to handle that in a virtual format? That did not make very many appearances as a science teacher. I know that my colleagues who teach social studies, oh, um, wow. yeah, they, yeah. they definitely, um, I mean, they pursued the topic purposefully, obviously, yeah. because it's, it was important and it was social. something that needed to be talked about. Yeah. It's, a it's a study that we should, um, it's, a, it's a social <laughs> thing that we need to study. Oh yeah, that. for sure. Um, but you know, we definitely like talked about things that are within our circle of control mm -hmm. and like what 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 can we actually have some sort of like control over in all of this craziness with right. this police brutality that's going on that's always been going on it's just now really really out there right mm -hmm. um, and 
a pandemic and, you know, the potential for there being issues in your home because people can't go to work and maybe we can't pay our bills and what are we going to do and not knowing all of those things. And so we kind of got into it a little bit there and just talking about like, like yes, these are the things that you can't control. And it's really hard because there are a lot of things that you can't yeah. control. Also by the nature of being an adolescent, there are a lot of things that you can't control and don't get to control because you're, you're a kid, yeah. right? Um, and then kind of saying, well, how do we recenter our focus to say like, what are the things that I can be in control of right now? I can be in control of getting on my computer and going to class. I can be in control of trying to do work. Mm -hmm. um, I can be in control of advocating for myself and asking for help and asking questions um, when needed. And so I think that conversation in and of itself led to, at least for me, I saw a lot of more students actually coming to class than I think some of my colleagues nationwide wow. um, saw because we were like just had a moment to be like we there has to be something that's tangible for you that you can actually be in control of when you have all of this craziness going on around you wow it, how, how does that for a teacher knowing you you may have to deal with those kinds of things um and and being prepared how do you prepare to to work with young people and guide them in those complex issues how do you prepare for that? <laughs> I'm like, oh. I mean, it's that's just the nature of the job. If you're if you're going to be a teacher that um, has a classroom that's grounded in honesty, mm -hmm. uh, grounded in mutual respect for your students, you you have to be ready to talk about that stuff. Um, you have to be ready to have those conversations. You have to be ready to hear perspectives that are different than yours and be accepting of those perspectives. Um, and that's, it's funny because, you know, being in Durham, Durham's a really liberal place here in the state of North Carolina. So a lot of our students hold similar views on things, which yeah. is really good. But every now and then you'll get one or two that kind of fall into that more conservative category and just kind of trying to figure out how they should navigate that and how they need to treat that individual and how that individual also needs to think about the people who are around them as well. So um, I just think that being the thing that kids appreciate most is you being real with them. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to be, um, you know, not truthful or trying to avoid um, certain topics or certain events, things that are happening around them, then they're not gonna have any respect for you. Wow. When did you all begin to come back? Was it just this semester that you all went back to school? Um, so we actually did, we did go back in person um, in April. Okay. Um, I think a lot of local school boards felt very pressured because the General Assembly moved SB 37 through and was going to try and force everybody to come back anyway. Um, yeah. So that was vetoed and the vetoed was upheld. <laughs> However, we had did go ahead and make the decision to come back. And so we came back in plan B in April. So that was about half capacity of what our buildings are designed to hold. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, Durham, again, because of the place that we're in and it being a little more liberal in the city of medicine and people being very cognizant of that kind of thing, it was for us even less than half capacity. I mean, we were looking at at most 10 students 10 to 15 students at a time that were actually back in person. So we were 
doing hybrid teaching in April. So I had students that were on Zoom and I had students that were in front of me. And I was teaching wow. both groups at the same time. That sounds hard. It was difficult. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, you know, if we had the technology to kind of um, make it a little bit easier, then I think it could have been done. I mean, there are cameras and equipment and things out there that can follow someone as they move throughout the room, but right. obviously we don't have that. So it, it made it difficult in that, you know, I was kind of tethered to a computer. Like if I, if I didn't, if I got up and moved from the computer, the kids at home weren't gonna get what they need. Oh no. So they were, they were coming in and we were interacting in person. And so they would see me on screen like people in the room or whatever, but I had to kind of stay where I was at so that everybody had access to me. It was really weird, but I mean, it was, it was doable. Um, that was kind of the thing, that, like, because I was really kind of feeling the virtual groove there for a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And yeah. like, I'm pretty tech savvy and was really enjoying it. And I think that's probably part of the reason why Durham, I got DPS Teacher of the Year. I don't know, because I did really <laughs> well with virtual. Um, but when the kids came back in person and we had a day where we were playing, there's this gaming platform um, for educators called GimKit. It's kind of like Kahoot, but on steroids. Okay. Um, and so we were playing this game and I like smiled and laughed so much more underneath my mask that day than I had at any time when we were virtual. And I was like, I okay, I don't need to go work for the virtual academy yet. I'm yeah. not in that place in my career where I could just be in front of a computer and be happy with that. I mean, just, it, it was like, nope, this yeah. is where I need to be. I need to be in person with students and have those interactions. I'll be real with you. Um, I haven't taught, I didn't teach this semester. I didn't teach, um, I usually teach the spring semester. I didn't teach last year. Mm -hmm. um, this year when I was supposed to go back, I told them flat out, I'm scared. I don't, because at UNC, they wanted us to teach at the top of the semester mm -hmm. in, in person. Right. And so I, I just couldn't see myself doing it. But the thing about that, the other thing about it is it just wasn't attractive because I like to teach and walk around. Right. So I can't really I can't talk to my students and stay in one place and try to give them the things. I like walking around, yeah. engaging with them. And also it gives me a um, it gives me an opportunity to kind of just check in on while I'm talking to figure out are they paying attention? Right. So I'm talking and still watching at the same time. Are you listening? And then sometimes, you know, doing different things. I don't know if you guys do this, but. Um, sometimes I'll have different vocal inflections when I'm speaking to the students just to get them to pay attention. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And you can't do that in virtual. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't tell you how many times I would like pop a kid over to a breakout room because like, you know, again, all I'm seeing is just a little, a little rectangle with their name in it. You know, they haven't, they don't have their camera turned on, uh -huh. which, <clears throat> excuse me, I tried not to be too much of a stickler about because we're, we were in their homes, yeah. right? Um, but just where I would just call their name over and over again. And I would sing to them, be like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, just yeah. to see if they would like answer. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't there. They're not there. <laughs> they were not there at yeah. all. So yeah, I, I definitely um, appreciate being able to be like, yes, what are you doing? Yep. Yep. <laughs> What's going on? Like, yep. are you paying attention? Did you hear what I said? Mm -hmm. Well, so. then that way, when you know someone's not doing well, you can kind of attribute that to, okay, you're not paying attention in class. Right. Or you're doing this thing. So now you, when you sit down and talk to them, you can say, hey, when we're in class and I'm teaching, you know, you have, well, these are my situations. You have your laptop open and you're talking to your friends. Mm -hmm. You're not engaging. You're not taking notes. So that's why you're not doing well on these exams. Right. And so um, I think for me in a virtual environment, just 
you know, from my vantage point in, in, in my type of education, I have a lot of respect for you in doing it and being able to do it. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So with the you talked about Google Classroom and mm -hmm. you were already preparing your students. Once you all came back and you were in that hybrid environment, did you take any of the things that you were kind of prepping them for and integrating them in kind of this new process now that you all are back in the school? Um, or was this new because now we're using Zoom and we have these things that the school has given and they're trying to catch up to what you were doing already? Well, um, so <laughs> we, we all got, so our, our principal that we had at the time was um, very proactive. So in the spring of 2020, mm -hmm. when we did not have um, all of our kids with access to a device, um, we did not have to be on Zoom every single day. Right, so the days that we were not holding office hours or meeting with kids, um, we were working on getting certified in Google Classroom. Oh. And then the district decided when we came back in August of 2020 for virtual, that we were gonna use Canvas, which is a completely different platform. So, um, so mm. I had to learn that um, and kind of switch over into that platform. But that platform actually is really great. It's a lot more robust, yeah. uh, has a lot more capabilities. So I'm actually kind of glad. Uh, initially I was like, are you kidding me? But now I'm kind of like, oh yeah, no, Canvas is the way to go. So Listen, everything is better than Sakai. That's all I gotta say. You, you probably know about Sakai from UNC. That was the UNC yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the UNC thing. Well, it was thing. Blackboard when I was there, but that tells you. So, and then um, Blackboard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we moved, we moved to Canvas and kind of uh, transitioned into that. And then when we were back in hybrid, because of being tethered to the computer and teaching the two groups at the same time, everything kind of kept going as if everyone were still virtual, even though there were students in front of me. It's just that gotcha. the students in front of me had real-time access for me to walk over and assist them with something if they were having some difficulty navigating or finding something. Do you, and this may be too much, because I, I know that uh, we got different laws and stuff like that, but do you know that, you know if there is any kind of difference between um, the students in terms of performance, the students that are there in person versus the ones that are taking the class as virtual? Do you see any performance di differences? I didn't see any, <coughs> no, so I'm sorry. That's I didn't okay. see any specific differences that stood out to me at that time, no. Very interesting, very yeah. interesting. I mean, the, how students performed virtually, honestly, I did, I did take a look at fully in-person yeah. to fully virtual, and um, the discrepancies were not as wide as I thought they would be, and it's definitely not as wide as everyone wants to make it out to be. We can get into the conversation about learning loss and how I don't think that's a real term if you want here in a few minutes. But well, yeah. that's what I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of in there now because I'm thinking about how people will I think about myself mm -hmm. and I remember not having the Internet. I remember a time where we didn't have that. Right. You know, I remember a time where we didn't have cell phones. Mm -hmm. Me too. So, um, you <laughs> didn't know, get mine until I was 18. I, so, yeah. I didn't get a cell phone until I. I think I was 21. All right. Well, I think I, I, was, I was around 21 when I got my cell phone. Um, but with, with all that being said, I wonder if it has anything to do with them having technology all their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we didn't grow up with all that. So I feel like if it were me, I would not be responsible in front of at that age. No, I wouldn't be responsible in oh, front sure. of the computer. But because they have it and they've always had it, is that is that playing a role in, in their responsibility, you think? I think for some kids, yes, but I also think that uh, those of us that are in the millennial generation and up, 
um, assume that they have this knowledge of technology that they don't actually have. Yeah. So they have a working knowledge of how to do things on a screen and on a smartphone, but it really did take a lot of coaching and a lot of effort to talk about how to navigate through Canvas and what to do and where to go, how to put, I mean, just knowing what a web address bar is yeah. and understanding how to enter things into that. So like the actual executive functioning skills that go along with using a piece of technology was something that had to be taught and um, they learned that and they adapted to it, I think probably more quickly than those of us that were raised without that technology would have. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely teachers in the building who were on the struggle bus when it came to figuring out Canvas and how to do all of this stuff virtually, understandably yeah. so, because they don't fall into that age bracket of you know having that ready access to technology and knowing how to use those tools. Right. Um, but our students, I mean, you know, what are they, Gen Z now, right? So Gen Z still has to be taught like the Is actual- Is that Gen Z? Yeah, I think so. The middle school, middle, still? Well, I don't, yeah, I think they are. Cause okay. I feel like my daughter's in Gen Alpha. She's three and a half, I don't know. Oh, that's Gen, okay. So I we, have no idea. we were just talking about this the other <laughs> night. My friend, I, I've got a friend that's got a son 15 mm -hmm. and, and we were talking, I was trying to figure, you know, we were just talking like, is he Gen I Alpha? Think it's, yeah, I think it's Gen Z. It I is Gen Z. Because that's what I asked I think him. Like I said, on the low, like the like right on the end. It is the okay. Of Gen Z, yeah. That's what I thought because I said I think he might be Gen Z, and he said I'm not sure if it's Alpha or Z. We didn't know, so yeah. okay. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I think they do adapt more quickly, but they still have yeah. to learn the actual like functional skills of this piece of technology and what it can do and how you can use it and what it can be used for. So like that still had to be taught. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I, my argument with all of this is, okay, so yeah, the pandemic has been terrible mm -hmm. and it really sucked and nobody really liked virtual learning as like the best option for learning. Mm -hmm. However, or but and, <laughs> um, we have the potential for this group of students to be the most prepared group of students for higher education and what's required of you when you get into a college setting. That's because right. when you move to a college setting, everything is digital, you're on a computer, right? So they're learning those skills that they typically wouldn't learn until the back end of high school, mm -hmm. junior and senior year, a lot of them. I mean, depending on the teacher and the course, I mean, you might have some freshman and sophomore teachers that are doing things with technology, but really like fully doing work in a platform, an LMS like Canvas, um, <clears throat> you know, they, previous, prior to the pandemic, they were not learning those skills until the end of their high school years or in some cases not at all until they got to college and you have kids from elementary school learning these skills so that by the time they get there it'll be second yeah. nature old hat right you won't have to spend any time ideally teaching them the skills and how to use those pieces of technology so i want to switch gears a little bit just because this is something that um i'm concerned about sure and uh, I feel like I need to take the opportunity to speak to a teacher about it since I have a teacher in the room. But do you ever feel that you're caught, and, and maybe even just the school that you're at and your entire industry, do you ever feel that you're caught in the grips of some kind of this political thing that's going on and in the middle of it um, in regards to like safety, you know, wearing masks? Because what I see in the news a lot are schools and they're talking about uh, mass mandates mm -hmm. and should they go to school? Should they not go to school? Mm -hmm. uh, 
do you ever feel like it has become just this big political thing and it's something that it shouldn't be and you're in the middle of it or does it feel like uh, I don't want to I don't want to put words in your, your, sure. your mind in terms of what it feels like. But but what does that feel like to, to see schools on TV and in the news um, yeah. and be in the center of this pandemic? A hundred percent. I, I, I will say that I feel very fortunate that I live and work in Durham. <laughs> yeah, um, not Florida. Quite, quite honestly, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because, um, you know, our, our board, I don't envy their position in terms of all of the decisions that they've had to make and the things that they've had to do. And yeah. obviously you can never please everybody, but I will say that I think that when they say that the safety of our students is their top priority, they actually mean it and the actions that they've taken since the onset of the pandemic up to now yeah. have proven that. I mean, they just mm -hmm. this past week um, said, you know, everybody needs to be outside to eat. And, you know, the ABC collaborative backed that. The doctors were like, yeah, they should be outside to eat because, you know, indoor pandemic. space is a little yeah. sketchy, right? So um, I, I feel very fortunate that I live where I live, but just watching and seeing what I've seen um, <clears throat> elsewhere is, I mean, it's disturbing, Very. it's alarming, frightening. I don't know, <laughs> so all of the scary words yeah. that you can think of. Um, and the fact that this whole thing in general even got politicized to begin with is frustrating. Public health. Right. Um, it's, it's really frustrating. And th those that are perpetuating this narrative that you know, you don't have to do this thing or you don't have to listen to the guidance of people who are actually experts in the field mm -hmm. should be ashamed of themselves. How have you dealt with misinformation and disinformation? <laughs> it's become a bigger thing over the last maybe five, six years. Mm -hmm. um, have you, how, how do you deal with that as a teacher? Because I'm, I'm pretty certain that students are probably coming in and saying, hey, no, this is the way it is. And there may be a situation where you're like, no, Come read this book. Let me show you oh, how right. it really yeah, is. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's essentially what, what happens there, right? So, <clears throat> because they do have this access to technology, regardless of if we're thinking about the laptops that were provided for them by the district, or you know, their phones in their pockets, mm -hmm. um, you know, children are plugged in. They're yep. plugged into social media all the time. They're watching everything. Yep. TikTok's huge. Uh, I love TikTok. I'm on TikTok. You on TikTok? Yeah, I am. All right, Brickhouse underscore Psy. Come on now. TikTok, I, Instagram, and Twitter. So I need to get um, on TikTok. That's what you just told me. I need to get on yeah, TikTok. Yeah. No, oh, for real though. Um, but I mean, they're, they're plugged into that all the time. And so that's the thing that we have to continue to be intentional about as teachers in all subject areas, regardless of what it is that we teach, that we have to make sure that we are evaluating multiple sources mm -hmm. about this piece of information that you've gotten. Um, and whether or not it's a, a credible source, is it reliable, is it accurate, how, you know, when, when did the, you know, information come out, what's, mm -hmm. what is the year, when was it published? Um, and that's actually something that we're implementing at my school this year. We have this, uh, the first period of the day, the entire school from 7.30 to 8.20 is called Discovery. And so each grade level has a theme, um, sixth grade's community, seventh grade's leadership, eighth grade is the future. And one of the things that we just talked about was this idea of evaluating sources for reliability. And right. so just really teaching those steps and being intentional about that with our students, I think is super important. That's how we can combat mm -hmm. the, the misinformation because, you know, we have full grown adults just check your Facebook feed that don't do that yeah. and don't know how to do that. Um, so it, yeah. It's, it's strange to me because I, uh, 
when I was growing up, I was in the AG program. I don't know if that even exists anymore. It does. It's a it's AIG now. Oh, it's Academically AIG. and intellectually gifted. I would, yes. I'm all that. That's yeah. what I want to be. That's what I want to be. In our program, I remember we had this thing we would do called Channel 9 News. Uh-huh. Y'all yeah. did that too? Yeah, they had Bobcat News. Yeah, Y'all had Bobcat yeah. News? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had, uh, <laughs> we had back home Channel 9 News. And when Channel 9 News, when it was time to do that, it was like, oh, word? Like, everybody was ready. Like, right. yeah, I've been watching news all week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get all this stuff. And that was in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in a place where it, it could be harder to do that because now it's like, okay, you've had these people watching CNN, these people are watching Fox. Um, it's not as, it feels like it's not as local as it was back then, right? you know? And because you have that, you have a whole bunch of different types of news with yeah. different sources. Right. Um, how does that affect the, uh, the information flow, so to speak? <laughs> how, does that, how does that affect you in doing your job? I just have students. I mean, it doesn't really change much of anything. You have okay. a bunch of students coming in with their own perspectives and backgrounds and experiences anyway. So okay. um, it doesn't really make anything that much different. Uh, but, you know, we, we have to talk about, like, why, again, why it's important to say, okay, here's the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Let's look here, 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 and here and see if we can draw out what the actual facts are in the middle, which is... It's a great skill to have. It's frustrating, honestly, that we have to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's frustrating that news media has gotten to a place where they have to be so concerned about ratings in order to stay on the air that they cannot be fully accurate with the information that's being presented. Um, you know, and you know I teach at a J school, so you know right. how, you know how yeah, infuriating exactly. that is. Yeah, yeah, it, it's super infuriating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there also seems to be less of an appreciation for just, you know, the straight-up facts about something, which is, you know, also very frustrating. But... You know, we just have to accommodate and think about that and always bring that in when we're talking about, you know, current events and relevant issues and things. Yeah. Good. T- quick time check. How are we looking? We're at uh, 43. I'm oh, no, sorry, 43 minutes. Okay, cool. All right. I just want to do it because I'm getting into this. Yeah, um, sure. So, so since we're here mm-hmm. and you are a teacher, I am. which we've established, mm-hmm. critical race theory. Yes. Uh, this may be a quick answer, but, but how, how much do you teach about critical race theory throughout the year? Uh, not at all. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> Zero. That's <laughs> why I, I said this was probably gonna be real quick. I just wanted to check on that. Uh, yes, that's not a prescribed curriculum that we have to teach. <laughs> the only place that I've ever heard of that being something that you, you really learn right, is in a law school. Yes. You know, yeah, so exactly. It's mm-hmm. fascinating to see this become news. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to find that out. We can keep that moving. Okay. So, <laughs> So you, you've done a lot with uh, Canvas. That's the name of that LMS, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you've worked with Canvas. You've done some with Google. Uh, but I wish I could say as we come out of this pandemic, I wish I could say that. Right. But we're not. Right. And I don't know when it's going to happen. But what things do you feel you can hold on to um, in terms of the things that you've picked up throughout this time that you've been teaching virtually and picking up new skills and learning how to teach differently? Um, what do you feel you're going to hold on to, and not even just you, but teachers in general, what are they taking with them into this new world? What's going to be different and not going to go back to the way that it was? <laughs> that's, a, that's great. <laughs> there are so many things. We're, I mean, we're on the a cusp of being at a crossroads of making a decision in education about <clears throat> whether or not we're going to go back to 
doing school as it was traditionally done all these years prior to the pandemic, which, by the way, hasn't changed since about the 1950s. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was older than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, or innovating yeah. and doing something different. Um, for me, this idea of personalized education and making sure that all of the students are really getting what they need in the environment in which they need to get it in, I think is a really <clears throat> interesting and complex thing to think about. I appreciate the technology because there are so many more things that I'm able to do with having that device in the hand of every student that I was not able to do in the classroom. Um, being able to allow students to access content and work at their own pace and, ha it, and it be okay that some kids be a week ahead and other kids be you know just where they are or even a week behind if they have to be because they're processing and synthesizing the information at their own pace um, <clears throat> I think is an interesting concept um, and something that I want to continue to bring forward um, into the future I mean I really just want to be a paperless classroom also for environmental things right like it's good for the environment, hashtag climate change. Um, so, <laughs> Which doesn't exist based off of what some people Nope, that's say, true too. Um, however, um, yeah, I mean, like the technology piece, there's, there's just all these really great tools out there. I mean, yeah. I just learned about one this year, actually. Um, my students, and I'm going to take this term from Juliana Uterbe, who is the former National Teacher of the Year. I had the opportunity to actually do an interview with her a couple nice. weeks back. Um, she calls our students that are typically referred to as English language learners as linguistically diverse. And I love that. <laughs> I love that because that's true. Damn. Uh, I, yeah, is that that's not really the coolest good. thing? Yeah, right? So wow, I like that. Our linguist, one of my linguistically diverse students was using Google Lens on one of my assignments. And I had not, you know, I have all of these Google products on my phone, but Google Lens was not one of them. Google yeah. Lens will allow you to take a picture of something that's in English and you hit the translate button and boom, it's in whatever language you want it to be in right there I on the page. And Google Translate has also improved and gotten better with their translations actually being accurate to the language. And so it was like, I walked by and she had her phone out and like, there's a cell phone policy at my school and it is what it is, but like, she was doing something educational with her phone, so it was fine. Like, I was good with it, but I saw it and I was like, what? <laughs> no, that is the, like the coolest thing of it. Because, you know, Google Translate's there. They could copy and paste and do that whole thing. But I was like, they just take a picture and it's like, boom, right there on the screen, translated for them. It was so awesome. So like, there's stuff like that. There's a tool that I use that's called Moat that allows me to record my voice and put those voice recordings into slides so that students who have IEPs that require read aloud that need to hear that auditory sound in order to better process information can have that access and you know there's just a lot of things that as a science teacher we don't typically get an inclusion teacher in our room for students with IEP so we're having to differentiate for all of these students with all of these different needs um, that I can easily and readily incorporate because we have this technology available to us so I'm really looking forward to that. And then the other thing that I would say moving forward um, that we need to continue to be bringing into education, really put our money where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. um, and you heard this term a lot last year was social and emotional learning. Mm -hmm. um, we mm -hmm. can't just give that lip service and yep. then not actually follow through on that because yep. it is an important piece of educating the whole child and children would 
will better access academic content if we're making sure that we're meeting their mental health needs, right? So um, really being intentional about checking in with students, developing relationships, developing rapport, knowing what's going on in their lives, talking with their families, having relationships with their families, reaching out to our school communities and just being more intentional about that moving forward is another thing that needs to continue. That can't go away. We can't just let that go back to the way that it was pre-COVID times. Not that teachers weren't making relationships prior to COVID because we certainly were, but this idea of really checking in on the emotional well-being and the health of our students and being intentional about it, like with everyone all the time, mm -hmm. is important. We didn't have that when I was growing up. No. Mm -mm. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to hear that the younger generation is so in tune in their mental, into their mental they health. They are. And uh, like I'll hear younger people say, you know, I got anxiety or depression or whatever. And, and I'm, you know, I'm older, I'm 40 now. So uh, it, it's like, I have to listen to it and I have to kind of, all right, let me get out of being old mm -hmm. and really understand these things like anxiety and depression and and uh a you know add and all these other things like really understand how mm -hmm. it affects people and i think for me in doing that work it made me realize that i had anxiety right yeah. <laughs> so i i found out that i had uh some of those things but it, it's we just didn't have the emotional or social intelligence back then oh, we didn't. and it makes me think like man what if i had known that when i was in high school right and, you know what if i had known it when i was in middle school um, but it's just great to hear that teachers are, are trying to kind of recognize those things and develop relationships with students so that they can help them through those things better. Yeah. Um, when I grew up, it was all about Ritalin. So, right. Yeah. You Same. know, yeah, yeah. it's like, go, you, such as go take their medicine. So they're taking their medicine and they come back in. They're like this the whole time. Just, yeah. The just destigmatizing <laughs> of therapy yeah. uh, just over the past decade has been, I think, wonderful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Thank you so much. I feel like I'm, I, I have so many more questions, but I was like, <laughs> I feel like if I keep going, this is going to turn into a two hour thing. Like I, I want to just sit here and keep, uh, keep, you know, you know, plugging away because you've got so many things, so many experiences that you've had. And I think the other piece of this that's really amazing is that as a teacher, you served as a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. You served as a, a point of reference. <laughs> you served as a fact checker. Yeah. You served in all these different capacities. And I don't think people give teachers their just due. So that's why I said you're one of the most important <laughs> people we've had on, uh, on this series. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming through. What's next? Tell me about what's next. You told me about the, the, the state teacher of the year mm -hmm. um, and obviously you got to finish out the semester right but what else do you have coming up tell me about some of the new things that you you see on the horizon for yourself <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah I'm just kind of seeing where um, where this plays out with the state teacher of the year stuff is yeah. pretty exciting yeah. so um, I'm supposed to have some interviews taking place cool. um, in October and then if I make it past that then they'll come and watch me teach and um, that whole deal. So I'm pretty excited to see what that process is going to be like and how that turns out. I mean, I honestly didn't, I didn't know that I was going to end up in this position at last year. So, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, so now right. it's happening. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, and we're thinking about our family. So I have a daughter who's three and a half and we're trying to decide whether or not, you know, we want to try to have a sibling for said daughter. So oh, on that's one of the other things on the horizon. So we'll see. That's beautiful. Um, I love it. 
I mean, you know, the world's a crazy place right now, so I go back and forth on whether or not that shit happens same, same regularly. Here. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I mean, you know, I one of the things that I said when I was interviewed um, as one of the finalists for Teacher of the Year was talking about how I'm really content in the position that I'm in and not in a way that I'm going to become complacent. Um, I'm really happy and I do feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. Um, early on in my career, I would pre pre my daughter, I would say that I definitely didn't feel that way. It was yeah. more like, what's next? What's the next thing? Where am I going to go next? Um, and there are a lot of people encouraged. My principal's one of them. He's like, oh, go get your PhD. You're so smart. You should do this or get your MSA. Go be a school administrator. And I'm like, ah, that sounds cool, but not, I really I'm I'm good where yeah. I'm at right now. So, um, you know, just going in every day and being with my kids and learning from them just as much as they learn from me. That's incredibly important because I I don't think, I think some people, especially when they're younger, they feel like they have to go, 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 go up the ladder. And a lot of times they do that going without recognizing that they're happy. Right. And it doesn't mean be content, but you can get into your craft and be better at your craft. Right. (laughs) You can get good at your craft. Um, it is, it's not always about just trying to get the next promotion. Exactly. You know, some people were made to be principals and that's what right. they're good at. Yeah. They may not be good teachers. They may be okay teachers, but great principals. Right. And then you have people that, and I know one right now, I'm thinking of a person, great teacher, horrible administrator. Right. You know, um, <laughs> that happens. So you know where you are, you know who you are. That is why you were teacher of the year. Um, and you look like the coolest teacher I've ever seen. Oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> glasses and like you. I mean, like, I dressed up a little extra special. Oh, okay. I was gonna say if this is how you rock at school, I'm like man, this is why she's the cool teacher. <laughs> um, but but again, you know, Caroline, thank you so much for coming by. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be talking again when you're state teacher teacher of the year. Uh, we'll you know, and if not, we will be talking again. <laughs> We're going to totally keep in touch and, and keep chopping it up. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be some other stuff coming down. Yeah. And we'll probably need to do a follow up once the pandemic is over. Oh, yeah. In 15 years. Right. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not going to. I hope. Please don't let that happen. Uh, but but anyway, again, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thanks for having um, me. And if you guys are, are interested in having your kids attend one of her classes, you will need to get them into Sherwood Giffins Middle School. And That's the place to be. Hope and pray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. But yeah, and that too. <laughs> but anyway, y'all, thank you so much for coming out and, and hanging out with us. Thank you for, for checking on us. Thank you for, for checking in on conversations. Like I said, we don't do this often. And I've joked throughout the entire season about us not doing this often. But the truth is, when we do it, uh, it's a blessing. We have some of the most amazing people coming in. Some of them are friends of mine. Some of them are new friends of mine. Uh, and just to sit down and talk to them about the things that they've gone through throughout this year, uh, it's been insightful. It's been something that I needed to see, and I'm hoping it's something that helped you out. So, uh, you know, this is the new economy. And this is Conversations. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm hoping I'm going to see you next season, whenever that might be. It might be in 10 years, 15 years. It might be tomorrow. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. But again, like, follow, share, comment, subscribe, and I'm going to see you next time. I'll let you later.